0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley hour what is going on everybody thank you so much for joining us this week my name is ken m joining me in studio as always you know him he's the co-host his name is Padawan J. It's really fucking hot outside. Good Lord, man. Jesus H tap dancing Christ. Yes. It is scorching in the northeast, and we hope you are staying cool wherever you are listening to us. I stump- made my
1: breakfast on Sunday on the pavement. That's not an exaggeration.
0: No, it's facts. I, I was hoping you put it on TikTok, but I know we didn't get a chance to film it. But good lord, it is scorching. And we are just gonna try giving you something else to bring the heat. That is the ODPH podcast. And we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. So let us waste no more time, shall we? we? Hit us up at the social media accounts. You can find all of that and so much more at odphpodcast.com. Join in on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Podchaser, TikTok, Twitch. You name it, we are there. And always remember, use the hashtag odphpod. And let us kick off this edition of the podcast talking about the bombshell episode. Of Loki that just dropped, entitled The Nexus Event, Episode 4. And in case you've been living under a rock, Tom Hiddleston has been making a remarkable series come to life with Mm -hmm. the show. It has completely replaced Legends of Tomorrow as being the definitive American Doctor Who show. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. And we are picking up from the God of Mischief and his exploits from where we saw him in Avengers Endgame. A lot of time jumping is going on, mm-hmm. and we're meeting a lot of new characters. It's getting all types of crazy. Yeah, And with the cliffhanger episode that we had previously, we weren't sure what to expect with this one. Man, oh man, oh man, did we ever jump into something here. So let us waste no more time. We are going to be talking spoilers, and we know that the episode just dropped. That is why we give you fair warning before we start deep diving We don't want to ruin this for anybody. We are not posting anything on social media for 72 hours. That is the embargo that we have in place because we don't want to ruin anything. But if you've seen the episode, and we're having people hit us up on Twitter, at Hour asking to talk about it. We said, wait till the podcast comes out. We're going to give you our takes, and then we are going to deep dive into it. So we have something to discuss this weekend with you on social media. But until then, we give you fair warning about spoilers. Because when we say we're going to start talking in three, two, one, we are not kidding around, folks. We're going to start deep diving into spoilers in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think?
1: I thought it was a really good episode, all things considered. Uh, a lot of surprises, a lot of shock. Uh, excited to see where this goes because,
0: yo. This episode definitely picked up the pace that we saw. The brakes pumped last week, mm-hmm. which is okay. I mean, for six episodes to try getting everything in, there's a lot. And I know that last week's lamentous episode, there was a lot of story building between Sylvie and Loki. And I understand that, and it made sense for the story. It wasn't a bad episode, but it was yeah. something that, for the pace that we've been going at with this show and seeing how Loki has now been taken under the captive of the Time Variance Authority, and he is responsible for investigating a variant which is taking out the TVA Mm -hmm. and to see the revelations of it happening, that we know the variant is an extension of him. And we know that not everything is what it seems with the TVA and that we know that he has found a way to basically hide himself from the timeline Mm -hmm. and doing it so cleverly, if I can use that word that the TVA can't track him down, so this way they have to get another variant to go get him. Like it's, yep. it's such a wild concept, but they are pulling it off so very well. And with Tom Hiddleston leading this cast, they are really delivering on a classic because when we first heard the show getting announced, we did not know what to expect.
1: Right. I mean, we knew Hiddleston's performance was going to be great at, at it because Hiddleston, as Loki, has always been amazing. You know. Yes. There, there have been some moments where it's not as peak and shiny, but it's still amazing. I just wasn't. Sure that the rest of the show is going to be as good as Hiddleston can be, but they're meeting Hiddleston and
0: and possibly exceeding him a little bit. They're matching him, and it just goes to show of how dedicated this cast is. I mean, Gugu Mathba Raw, who plays Ravona, has definitely really stepped up the character in this episode alone. We know that Sophie Di Martino, who has been playing Sylvie the Variant, has definitely mm-hmm. been matching or, or, Tom Hiddleston line for line every take they're doing it's the very good back and forth you're seeing that chemistry on screen owen wilson who has been playing mobius has definitely been playing the interesting role of the time cop per se and really making this stand out to where he's a good foil to where loki is and wumi Mas- masaku who's been playing hunter b15 definitely had a lot to do with this episode and we finally get to see a lot more of her character so with those five just really bouncing off each other with their acting and their and the energy they're bringing, it has really made for a very unique experience, which I'm loving to see because where we kick off with this episode, we did the normal Marvel Studio crawl. Mm-hmm. But did you notice something different this week, Pat? Uh, no, because it was 5.30 in the morning. They changed the color to green and gold. Oh, okay. Yeah, so go it, back was, and check it, that it was a little subtle nod that they decided to do, which I thought was very cool. And then we get caught up to a, a throwback... On Asgard. And we right. see Ravona when she is a soldier, going to get young Sylvie. And we see how that she is taken out of the time stream. We see the TVA soldiers drop their mysterious time bomb? Thing. Eraser, or whatever you want to define it as. And she's wiped away from existence in Asgard. And then as we see with this episode, she's brought before the judge and the TVA. Mm-hmm. And she winds up getting the upper hand on Ravona. And escaping through the time stream. Yep. Now, you Pat, you got to remember, too, at this age, she's 10.
1: At least, yeah.
0: So now we know that she has definitely aged throughout the show. hmm So there has been this weird time growth, I guess you could say. Yeah. That we've seen Sylvie literally grow up in the time stream.
1: Right. Well, and we know that time in TVA passes differently than it does in regular time. So... For the TVA, it might not be all that long. Not quite sure how much time passes in relevance to Earth as it does there. But for her, it's, it's probably been a while or it feels that way. But to the TVA, it's like, oh, yeah, it's been a week.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely crazy to see. And then we see Ravona is going to meet the time authority that we're seeing that she's finally going to see the Timekeepers, mm-hmm. And then we start. They have the quick little credit episode and then they go right into the show where we're seeing Mobius is now meeting with Ravona, and they're kind of celebrating their big win that they brought Loki and Sylvie back because where we last saw them... They were on lamentus, getting ready for the planet to explode, and they are kind of having their one goodbyes, and it's kind of like this emotional scene going yeah. back and forth, too. Yeah. Which is definitely something that I think threw me off guard a little bit. only thing missing was Aeros- Aerosmith singing,
1: I don't want to miss a thing.
0: Yeah, it was completely set up because now apparently they're setting up uh, this romance between Loki and Sylvie. Yeah. Which... It is what it is. Yeah. You know, it's just it's timelines. It's it's different. Multiverse. Yeah. It is. It it is what is. So we're just kind of rolling with it. So once that they start having this bond happening between them, a timeline is extended out. Mm-hmm. So thus they're forming a new timeline. So this is how they get picked up by the TVA because they've now changed history. Yep. So once they are picked up by Mobius and company, they're brought back in. They're processed and booking because mm-hmm. the TVA is just basically one big police station at a time. Uh-huh. And we see Ravona is talking with Mobius and trying to celebrate the big win. But before Mobius can celebrate, he's haunted by the words that Loki has been told by Sylvie. Mm-hmm. That everybody from the time variant authority is a variant themselves. That they weren't created by the timekeepers. So unlike the
1: Lego movie, everything is not
0: awesome. Yes. So thus, when they're having this moment... Mobius really can't celebrate.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things that it's like he should be happy. He should be popping bottles and woohoo and patting everybody on the back. High fives. But there's, you know, there's just that little bit of nagging in the back of his mind that he just can't sit down about
0: it. Yeah. Because once he's trying to get some information out of Ravona, she's being very coy about it. Uh huh.
1: Uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically coy.
0: Yes. So he is picking up that something is going on, which I have to applaud Owen Wilson because he is really in not giving too much away from this character. Mm-hmm. That we think we understand what Mobius is doing, but yet he'll flip in and do something else. And I think that is a very cool take that he's having with this because essentially he should just be the good cop that yeah. is trying to find the right Pen- way. Pencil
1: pusher, follows the company line, does what he has to, punches in on time, punches out on time, no overtime.
0: You know. Yeah, but he has definitely thrown a curveball with this because during this conversation he gets Ravona distracted enough that he swaps out... The time jumper piece, mm-hmm. so he he basically has her badge. I mean, that's kind of the easiest yeah. way to describe it. Yeah, and then he leaves, and then we kind of get caught up where he's thrown Loki into holding. Yeah, per se. Yeah, and, and,
1: and we got to we got to know uh, he doesn't do a good job of leaving because uh, Ravona he he only drinks one, he only takes one drink, and only drinks one drink, and he goes to leave, and even Ravona like, "What? You're only having one?" You know, and he goes, "Oh yeah, no, I got." things to do because you know
0: bye yeah because at this point he knows something's up and he's trying to act quick on the fly but ravona is very smart she ain't no dummy yes yeah, she's picking up on this if something's wrong so she's kind of waiting to see how this plays out so as mobius takes off we find out that loki's holding is well interesting yes that he is stuck in a purgatory moment in time mm-hmm and who do we see return to the screen? Lady Sif. Yes, Jamie Alexander returns as Lady Sif and is going through a memory where Loki apparently did something to her yeah. and she is not forgiving, cutting her hair. No. And we do see that he is on a loop where basically Sif kicks him in the junk yep. and punches him yep. and just does slaps. it on I think she slaps him at one point, yeah, too. Yeah, like it's it's a funny moment. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm lo- not going
1: to lie, this scene started, I thought, oh, we're going to go through like a, we're going to see like a, Montage of like embarrassing moments for him because I thought I thought maybe we'd see the scene from Avengers One where uh, Hulk's tosses him around like a rag doll, mm-hmm. I, which didn't happen, and I'm all right with this, but still funny.
0: Oh, it's absolutely funny. I mean, it just goes to show about the, this show really captures the humor when it's needed, mm-hmm. it captures the drama when it needs. I mean, this is just so well played out, and Hilson is just eating this up too. Oh god, yeah. I think if anybody else was in this role, it just wouldn't come off this well but Jamie Alexander is definitely excited to be back as Lady Sip, and you can definitely tell she's enjoying her time. yeah. And when this is all going on, we do know that Hunter B-15 is kind of having... A breakdown. second thoughts about what's going on. And and I thought that this was very well played out, because Wooni Masaku really stepped up this role for this episode Mm -hmm. that we finally get to see more personality to hunter b15 than we've seen the entire series thus far
1: yeah and i mean you got to figure Hunter b15 not exactly high on the corporate ladder i guess you could say so she's not exactly you know towing the company line and flying the company flag you know not all all about the tva and and doing what they say to the letter that like she's kind of middle management. She's kind of like, you know, she's, she's important because she's got people who listen to her. But, you know, she doesn't have the higher ups kind of whispering in her ear every five seconds. So there is that room for doubt.
0: Yes. And we, don't, we do know that she was affected by what happened way back at the hurricane yep. that happened in episode two. So as we see that she has this encounter with Mobius and it's definitely awkward that Hunter knows something's going on, too. So there is more smoke to this fire that is the TVA is not what we think it is. So we get a quick flash to Loki in his purgatory. And he does stop Lady Sif just enough to kind of have a moment where he's yeah. trying to f- say, okay, we've been doing this over and over. Something's not right here.
1: Yeah, it's the trope you see with time travel movies where, you know, you're just repeating the same moment in time, you know, where you inevitably get to the point. Where it's like, okay, no, don't do that. Come over here. Why? That's why.
0: Yes. So they do have this very ex- unique exchange. And there was a line that stuck out to me that Sif said to Loki. Mm-hmm. And she said, you are alone and you always will be.
1: Well, she said that quite a few times. Right.
0: But it definitely made a point to how, how many times it was repeated and driven home that that was going to be a, a big factor for this episode.
1: Well, yeah. And you got to figure that depending on when this takes place, I'm guessing this is probably pre Avengers. This is probably him pre him kind of joining up with the Chitari. A bit of a dick. Yeah, so so for so for Sif to go, based off of what she knows back then, he's a dick. He likes to joke around with people, and a lot of people hate it. That like, yeah, you're gonna be alone because you're gonna push everyone away because everyone hates you. Mm-hmm. Which at that point was true. Yeah, uh, as
0: Loki, as we eventually see him, probably not. Well, that's the one point that they're really trying to drive home is that everything with Loki that we know about is not what it seems, and he's really haunted by being alone and. <laughs> I never picked up on this from the entire times that we've seen him previously in the MCU. Well, I think it's finally
1: because he's finally getting a mirror held up to him, and he's finally taking five seconds to look himself in the mirror. Because as we've seen him, he's never really had that comeuppance and had of time to sit there and kind of stew about it. Yeah, you think back to the events with Avengers One, and he gets to you know taken to Asgard. You know, never really got a chance. And then we see him in Thor: Dark World, where it's kind of like high octane from the get go. Like, and just you look at all the events that happened with him. Never really had time to sit down and go, huh, yeah, no, I was kind of a bit of a jerk
0: there. Yeah, it's a unique experience. And like I say, Tom Hiddleston is really breaking down this character that if you really thought you knew Loki beforehand, you definitely don't. But going back to the episode, we do see the Mobius finally pulls him out of this purgatory and is starting to interrogate him again. Because what he wants to find out is, okay, you took off with a variant. Why? What's the big plan? Did Were you part of this the entire time? Mm-hmm which I thought was a little contradictory. Sure. Because if he was really part of it the entire time, why did you go get him to go find the variant?
1: Yeah, I mean well I mean for you got to I understand it from his perspective that just he doesn't know the motivation or what's going on that just for all intents and purposes it looked like to him that oh I took you palling around, and then you just up and left with her at the first opportunity you could, almost like you were trying to meet each other.
0: Yeah, and he's driving home the point that you're in love with your variant. Yeah, that which is weird. It is weird, but it's comic, so we'll just chalk yeah. it up to reasons. reasons. So once this point is driven home, Loki is trying to cover up for Sylvie, yeah. claiming that he was the one behind everything, that he was the mastermind. Oh, of course, it's my idea the entire time. And Mobius counters, well, we've already killed her.
1: I'm gonna say, uh, to which Mobius says, blah, 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 bullshit.
0: Yeah. And he's uh, he makes up his own story about Hunter B-15 taking her out. Yeah. And that breaks Loki. And then he finally fesses up that, yeah, he does care about her that much. And then it goes back to about the TVA is all based on kidnapped variants. And this is something that is still is haunting more and more, that the secret is now getting unraveled. And then Hunter B-15 is also catching wind of this, too. That she's having her own breakdown this episode, mm-hmm. and then when she catches up with Sylvie, she winds up sneaking into the cell and getting her out of there. Yeah, which is a very unique experience too, because when this is all going down, Mobius is still trying to piece all this together. He yeah. still has the he still has the badge in his hand, and Ravona is really saying. She's is stepping in because she now figures out something's up. Oh, yeah, she, she knew. Yeah, she knew something was going on because she keeps saying, Well, you know, the variants are the timekeepers want to meet the variants and they want to meet you and really drive this point home. They love you. Yeah. And Mobius is saying, Well, how come I can't meet the variants? And Ravona's like, Oh, it's for your own safety. You know, you saw what happened to Hunter C20. And he thinks she doth protest too much. Exactly. So when she's making up this story about how she can't meet her, Mobius is just not buying this at all. Because, like I say, at this point, this is where the badge is swapped. Mm-hmm. He finally gets to take a look. And when he sees, Hunter sees 20's debriefing yeah. of the incident that happened. Where she's saying
1: everything Loki has been saying.
0: Yes. And you see Ravona turn right to the screen. Yep. Yeah. Mobius now knows what's going she's on. She's full of shit. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely wild. And on the flip, too, you have Hunter B-15 taking Sylvie back to... Rock smart mm-hmm. during the hurricane yep. and saying, okay, start when, talking. When you went in my head, you unlocked something. What did you, what did you, what did you, did you do? do? And, and then what,
1: what did you put in there? And basically Sylvie says, listen, I can't put anything there. I can only affect what's already in there.
0: Yes. That
1: I unlocked your memories that were already inside you from your previous life, that you weren't always a TVA cop. Mm -hmm. That you had a previous life, you probably had a family and friends and whatever else that, you know, they took you out of the timeline and used you for your own purposes, their own purposes.
0: Yeah, so it's absolutely matching up to the story that Hunter C-20 was saying, because during her interrogation, she was saying the same thing. Yeah, I had a life. I remember being out with friends. What is going on here? And nobody has the answer. It's almost like WandaVision when the town started waking up towards the end of the season. A show. little bit. Yeah, a little bit. You that.
1: know, where, where Vision was start, starting to finally piece it together, and he was at, quote-unquote, work. And the, guy go, and the one guy goes, oh, I just want to see my family. Is my family okay? Tell me about my family's okay.
0: Yes. So then we finally get to the big moment where Mobius is trying to grab Loki, and Ravona is waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And then this is where the scene gets wild. Do the, does does Ravona and Mo, Mobius have a
1: thing for each other? You would think. I got that vibe off of them because you you look at their interaction when they were in her office, sharing a drink, toasting to their success, and they were a little playful with each other, but it wasn't like over the top and and super dramatized. It was just kind of like a fun banter, poking back and forth. But then you you get to this scene and you see the hurt on her face mm-hmm. where she has to basically arrest him for a lack of a better term. And it just hurts her. You can can tell that, like, she doesn't like doing this.
0: You can definitely tell that point. I mean, it's one of those moments you'd almost think, like, you have cops that work together so much. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking Law & Order. Yeah. You know, and and I'm thinking Benson and Stabler. Yeah. You know, it's like I say, it's one of those vibes that they work so well with each other that you kind of think something's going on, but they never really allude to it. Sure. So it was kind of that same vibe that I thought with this. But when we see Ravona having to do what she has to do mm-hmm. and we see the big moment, she winds up taking out Mobius. Yeah. he's wiped away from the timeline. Definitely did not see this one no, coming. that hurt. That definitely hurt because that was such a big shock moment as we're seeing that the upper hand is now going back to Ravona. She's now saying, okay, we're all going to meet the timekeepers now. Mm-hmm. And Hunter B is basically marked for death as well too for yep. treason. So this is where the episode really takes a curveball and really ramps up the tension a lot sooner than I thought it would. Well, I I was thinking they might wait till next week. I
1: was to say because this this kind of tension is kind of like the episode like right the would be the end of the episode that would in next week would be the season finale. Mm-hmm. This, this is the kind of tension I expect for that episode, not this one in particular.
0: Right, but as we go t- in front of the timekeepers. I honestly had Wizard of Oz vibes before the big reveal during this. Yeah, that something just did not seem right with yeah. how they just walk in this room. It's a cloud of smoke, and you see these three figures. Well, because didn't we catch a glimpse
1: of them towards the beginning of the episode?
0: We did. They they showed it was like a real one second blink and you miss it. Right, because they didn't get a close up of their faces. Because we right. only know their faces from the. Uh, statues and such that yeah, we see in the yeah. promotional pieces so we haven't really seen who they are because that's where everybody thought oh my god it's Kang Kang is one of them Yeah, and it turns out no at least not that we know of as right pay now pay no attention to the man behind the curtain exactly that we do see there's three aliens that are talking to Loki and Sylvie they
1: look like they're supposed to be floating but even I'm looking at this going they're hooked into the wall.
0: Yeah, it just definitely did not seem right. Like, it just was such a tell. It's like, what are they, put, what are, it's like,
1: what are they putting in the Kool-Aid here that you're all buying this?
0: Exactly. And Loki and Sylvia are picking this up, too, which, I mean, Sylvia is still trying to get the one-upsman on Ravona that I still got past you. And, and Ravona's not even selling this. Yeah. She's so committed to the cause that no matter what you're saying to her, it's just not registering. But then we get Hunter B-15 kicking in the door and freeing Loki and Sylvia up that they can go fight. And then this is where things get crazy because mm-hmm. one knife is passed around, and it's a very big knife. Think crocodile oh. done D style. <laughs> yeah, and we do see there is this very cool action sequence. We do see Ravona having a one off against Sylvie, yep. and they're going back and forth about this. And when Sylvie gets the upper hand on Ravona, I thought she stabbed Ravona because of how long she was out for the count. Yeah, but during this whole melee going on with Ravona and her elite soldiers. Loki and Sylvie get the upper hand. They wind up cutting off the head of one of the time keepers. Yep. And lo and behold, it's a robot. Yep. So the Wizard of Oz portal is right there. Mm-hmm. And they know something's going on. And then we see that Sylvie and Loki are kind of having their moment. They're talking to each other. Loki is about to profess his love. And then what happens, Pat?
1: Uh, Loki disappears. Yeah. Ravona yeah. takes him off the board. Yeah. That, yeah, heart skipped a beat there. But that's for sure.
0: Definitely did not see that coming, let alone episode four. I had to be real quiet because, like I said, I watch these episodes before
1: I go to work, you know, so it's, you know, five thirty, six twenty in the morning. So I had to be very careful in this instance not to yell and wake up my neighbors. Yeah,
0: this was completely out of left field that all of a sudden Loki is taken off the board. So the whole title character is allegedly gone.
1: Well, one of the title characters because there's another one in the room.
0: Yes. So Sylvie winds up... Taking R- Ravona down, and is saying, "I demand answers. I want to know what's going on here. You know everything."
1: Well, and Ravona, well, you know, she, uh, Sylvie's got Ravona dead to rights. Oh yeah, she's on the ground, on her knees, unarmed. There's nobody else in the room that's going to save her. We now know that the that the timekeepers are a load of BS. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they're not going to do anything. They got no real power. That so she's got her dead to rights, and and Ravona's looking at her to like, "Go ahead." Do it, and I'm not gonna lie. Part of me wanted her to.
0: Oh, I was waiting on it to you happen.
1: Know, but Sylvie looks at her and goes, "Nah, uh, I got I got questions that need answers."
0: Yeah, it's absolutely wild to see how they ended this because right from there the sh- the episode ends. We do get an end credit scene though, and we see Loki, our Loki, wake up in a field type area. Yeah, on a beach or something. Yes. Well. It's one of those areas that I think, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, he's back in Asgard. And then when he wakes up, he sees Loki variants standing over him. Was there one that was like a crocodile there? Did I see that right? There might have been. I know that there was one that the classic Loki with the
1: horns. Uh, That was one Richard E. Grant. Ooh. Yeah, because they they flashed once that uh, bonus scene ended. They started showing guest featuring, but they didn't say who. I'm looking at IMDb. Yeah, no, uh, Classic Loki was played by Richard E. Grant.
0: That's very cool. And then we saw Kid Loki.
1: Uh, Yeah, so you had Boastful Loki, uh, Kid Loki, uh, and then yeah, that was the only three that I'm seeing listed without digging into the IMDb further.
0: Yes, so we had the Legion of Lokis.
1: (laughs) Which is a terrifying thing to say.
0: Oh, my God. Well, I was expecting Kid Loki to appear at some point. Oh, sure because of the young Avengers tie-in that they've been setting up if you've been really following the shows. Mm-hmm. And then the episode ends right there. So a lot to break down. And I know that there was the throwaway line, too, which I know we were having some people ask about on social media. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I said I would wait till I, I talked on the podcast about this. About vampires.
1: Yeah, I caught that. Yes. I know that got they, referenced. They said that, well, they, what did they say? They dealt with Titans, Cree, and Vampires, which I know people are probably losing their mind, but they've already announced Morbius is coming. Or not Morbius, uh, Blade. They're doing a Blade movie, so planting early seeds for Blade. Yeah, that's
0: what I thought it was. That's that's how I took it. I just thought, well, if you're talking about the Cree, you might be trying to talk about Eternals and mixing them in a little bit. Titans makes sense because Thanos. Yeah, that's I said, that's an Eternals Easter egg right there. The Vampires thing is a very interesting one, though, too, because we haven't heard anything about Blade and right. I, I know it's not connecting to Morbius, right? But I definitely wanted to address it uh, at least, though, because this show is definitely being smart about its Easter eggs mm-hmm. and the ramifications it's having. Which, for two more episodes left, I be honest, I got no idea what to expect.
1: No, neither do I, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see where this goes and where it ends, because as the timeline goes, Loki's technically dead, so. Where this goes, especially now we have the reveal of who the hell is the man or woman or person behind the curtain controlling the t v a you know the timekeepers, who the hell is that person? because mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see what the, who that is. Watch it be Odin and just have enough
0: fun. I do have my theories about this, and I know it's a little early to be guessing,, mm-hmm. but I think it's a mortis mm-hmm. who's connected to Kang, maybe. We do know that there is that connection with Ravona too, if you follow the comics. I think it's going to be revealed that he is going to be the one that's in charge. Mm, Could be. And I think that would make a lot of sense because we all know the roads are leading to Kang the Conqueror at some point.
1: Could be something that leads into uh, Thor uh, Love Love and and Thunder. Thunder. Could be something that leads into Thor Love and Thunder.
0: Well, if you notice the small Easter egg that got put out this past week, the end scene of WandaVision was touched up, allegedly, Aye. which is just the shadow figure of Dr. Strange flying in. It's not. Yeah, like I was saying, if they really want to tie it, it into it's,
1: it. It's not. It's it's just they were editing some stuff, and they forgot to take care of something, and it slipped through.
0: Yeah, but if they still want to kind of spin it to say it's tied into Loki's resetting the timeline. It, sure.
1: L- l- listen, it very well could turn into them retconning it and saying it's Dr. Strange revision or something. Mm-hmm. Was that their intention? Oh, no, not at first. I'm going to take that whole sequence like they took the uh, Peter Parker, you know, Iron Man 2 thing. That kid, when they filmed that movie, was not Peter Parker. They happened to look at the situation and go, hey, that's a really good in for us to introduce Peter Parker. And let's just retcon it that way.
0: Yeah. I mean, however they want to spin it, I think it would be a cool nod to say, oh, yeah, we did it. To really show of how the timeline is getting reset. Yeah, but I'm not saying we have to really sell it on it. I don't. I don't think. It's, but I'm gonna go with it. For I you.
1: don't. I don't think it's them adding that in. Like, oh, you know, because if they were going to do something like that, they would have done it then. They wouldn't have added it in a month, two months, whatever it's been since that episode aired. You would have done that for the shock value alone, right then and there. That you wouldn't have added it in almost, you know, in July. You know,
0: Unless they I, really wanted to sell this show. I mean, yeah. I, no, like I understand your point. I'm not saying you're wrong about this, but I'm saying I could also see Marvel saying like when they first filmed it, okay, put it in and we'll just hold off on it. Yeah. Just to say, look at what happens with the timeline. Ba-dum-bum. Yeah. So it quite possibly could be. But they did tease a lot. Like I said, Eternals was teased. The Vampires line was interesting.
1: I mean, it's just planting seeds for, bl- for Blade because – had the Blade movie not been announced already, I'd be like, ooh, maybe they're planting some seeds for that. But we know it's coming, so plant seeds now.
0: Yeah, which is smart because we don't have a timetable for Blade. We don't need one no. at this moment. We have enough content that is coming that the next big quote-unquote reveal we'll get arguably, arguably will be at San Diego Comic-Con Virtual, Prob- probably. And it will probably be fantastic forecasting, would, would be have, my guess. I'd be, I'd imagine. With that, I'm saying that would be or, the logical. And, and if it's
1: not like the whole thing, maybe like Reed and Sue.
0: Yeah, I mean that would be makes you know sense. you know they'd
1: want to do the full four plus probably Doctor Doom, but I can see them just doing maybe two or three.
0: Oh, if they yeah if they did the first two. I I would definitely say that would be more than logical. Because
1: if they if they I realize the likely odds is probably all four, but I would not fault them if they say, hey, we're really taking our time with this. Here's the first two. We're still working on the other two.
0: It could be. I mean, it's just it's going to be interesting to see how they do it because I know it had the summer be live in person, in San Diego Comic Con, mm-hmm. I think we would have got it. I definitely, oh, absolutely, I I think they want that Hall H moment. Now, do I think they're going to hold off on it? Maybe could be. I mean, it just depends on how Kevin Feige and company want to do things. But I think that we'll have to kind of see how this is all going to spin out because. What this show is doing is setting up a lot of Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. I'm not doubting that we might get a Fantastic Four Easter egg thrown in, just a quick throwaway line, maybe, you know, something to melt the internet down for about a day and a half, and then we'll go back to normal. But this show is setting up a lot with very little, too, Mm -hmm. if you think about it. So that being said, Pad, overall thoughts on the episode? Where we think we're going? I have no idea where we're going. Like I, at
1: the start, had no idea where we're going. I still don't have any idea where we're going, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just don't know where the hell this is going to go. But the episode was really great. Love the plot twists and everything, and I can't wait to see where it goes from
0: here. This episode delivered on a lot in a hurry, too, because the first half of the episode didn't really push the gas pedal. But they did kick it into high gear late, though. And like I said, we finally get to see some standout moments from Hunter B-15, Ravona. So we started getting more and more involved in the mythos of the TVA. And to see the shock value of Loki getting taken off the board and Mobius too, which I'm still going to go with my theory. He is a Thor variant. Don't ask me how, don't ask me why. I'm going to just say that he is because of how loyal he is to Loki. There's nobody else that's that loyal to Loki other than Thor. That is where my theory is for that. But we still have seen that Loki can survive getting a race from the timeline. Could Mobius as well? We don't know. And then to see the the legion of Lokis at the end of the episode, let's get weird, folks. Mm-hmm. Because that is the easiest way to describe this show other than saying it's American Doctor Who. And other than saying it's also been fantastic. Four episodes down, a lot to digest. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Spoiler free until Friday. We don't want to ruin it for anybody else. And then we'll go deep dive in with everybody about this. What is your thoughts about the Nexus event? Episode 4 of Loki on Disney+. Plus. Let's talk, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom?
2: Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation?
1: The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan.
2: And me, Levi.
1: Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet
2: melting pot of all things nerdy.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And shockingly enough, there is no Superman and Lois to talk about this. I know. Bummer. It's depressing. So I thought for this segment, we'll take a quick lap around the DC universe on the CW. Yeah. Now, we haven't kind of talked about the other shows a lot in recent weeks. Uh, because basically there's a lot going on, there's a lot going on. And plus I'll be honest, legends of tomorrow is not really working for me mm-hmm. this season. Since they've returned, it's been over the top campy Yeah, that now, and I guess we'll throw off this disclaimer. We will be talking spoilers about these shows. Yeah. So we were going to give you fair warning about this legends got really weird Yeah, and not weird in the good sense. Yeah. It was just being so over the top now with aliens and how Sarah was abducted. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I'm a huge Sarah Lance fan. I mean, like I said, Katie Lotz has been crushing it ever since she took over the lead role on this show. Mm -hmm. But now it's like we've gone into such a weird level of, like, consistent, let's really make this over the top. Yeah. That is just not connecting. And now it's been revealed that she's basically a hybrid clone mm-hmm. that her body was killed off yeah and now it's like she's back leading the team but it's not the same and yeah it's just it's like
1: been, Mass Effect one and then Mass Effect two yeah it's just yeah.
0: it's been so all over the place that I'm just not getting into it like I used to I'm I'll be honest I
1: watched the first episode I haven't watched another one since and I think part of that might be because of uh, you know fire uh, was it mcrory leaving
0: you know, well, we knew the problems that Mick was having with the show, right. so well, Heat Wave was definitely Right, done. so
1: I think part of it is just Heat Wave leaving, you know, and, and just kind of losing interest there. But I also think it's just, I watched the first episode, and it just didn't do anything for me. That, like, I liked, I enjoyed last season. It wasn't great. It wasn't anything that, like, I'll go out of my way to rewatch anytime soon. But I enjoyed it because, you know, I one of my favorite subjects is in school when I was growing up and even in college was history. Mm-hmm. I love a history class. You know, I'm one of the, I'm one of the weird kids who like teacher roll in the TV with the VCR pop in a video for you to watch. And everyone's going, and I'm going sweet. Let's watch this. Yeah. You know, I'll still watch history documentaries even now. So like last season kept my interest because it's all the, Oh, when are we going to pop up? And what famous person from history are we going to pull out of time? Now? Like they showed up into the, into the uh, Russian revolution and pulled out, uh, what, what was it? Uh, Oh, oh, God. What's the Rasputin, Rasputin Thank. When they pull out Resputin, I was like, oh, shit. Like, as soon as they said Russia 1917, I went, oh, fuck. I know where we're going. So that kept my interest, you know, and then we have the all time classic, you know, Cisco thong song uh, scene.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, like I say, when they really nail it, it's very funny and very entertaining. Yeah.
1: But I mean, for the, this first episode, I watched it. It didn't do anything for me. And I haven't watched it since and i always kind of figured all right if i get the chance i'll go back to it i just never have and nothing has really jumped out online where it's like oh hey you got to see this this sequence or this scene or this story or this episode was really good that it's like i'll be honest it's not even making waves for me to really go want to go check out
0: yeah i mean i've tried getting back into it a little bit but anytime we start talking clones yeah I immediately start tuning out, if you know me well. Because you love the Clone Saga. You mentioned the Clone Saga and online, and I have very choice things to say about that. And trust me, we're going to get into that later in the show. But to see it being another clone on the show, I mean, we've already had that with Ava and her history mm-hmm. and how that's a setup. It's just like, okay, why are we doing this again with Sarah and that's one of your strongest characters, if not your strongest character. I know they've been kind of dancing around with Mick Rory on the show, and we do we did cover that way back when, before the season began, that there's been a little drama there. Yeah. So it just hasn't really been clicking no matter what. And I know it just kind of feels like they're trying to be too overly funny mm-hmm. instead of being a good balance of humor and drama, Yeah. in my opinion. So, like I said. Uh, like
1: if I want to watch an, an hour-long comedy, I'll watch two episodes of – uh, family Guy back-to-back, back, or American Dad back-to-back. Back. Yeah. You know, I, I like comedy in my superhero shows, but just not front-to-back.
0: Yeah, like it's not supposed to be as funny as they're trying to make it. Yeah. And that's where it's not connecting. So I'm still hoping they'll rebound by the end of the season, but who knows? So I guess if I have to give it my grade, we'll throw it back to the report card days. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a C-minus. Okay. I think it's a little below average, but I think that they do have a talented enough cast... They should be able to do some more with it, in my opinion. But I've also said a long time on this show, they got to switch up the lineup. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to see actors get fired, but they need to really switch up the roster here. Like I think if they added Black Lightning on the show, I think that would have been great. I know that they had Kid Flash on for a quick second. Right. No pun intended. But they, they have enough people in the DC universe they could bring in to really throw some new energy on this show. Right. That... I don't think they're doing it and they got really away from what made the show stand out at the beginning where they were going back and fixing the time variance and also kind of forging their own paths. Right. I mean, now it's just kind of like, okay, we're dealing with aliens again and now it's all over the place and X, Y, and Z and and now we've got multiple clones going on and, I mean, Sarah might not be the only one. Mick might be one too. It's like, it's just so confusing to watch that I'm just hoping it rebounds before it's all said and done. Mm Mm-hmm. So let us go to the longest show on the CW currently, and that would be The Flash. Yeah. So, Pat, I know you've been watching each week. Yep. What is your takes for The Flash?
1: Uh, It's been okay. You know, it hasn't been a home run every week, you know, not even really a triple. You know, it's been okay. Uh, This past week was really good, uh, and I enjoyed that far more than the the last couple of weeks. So it's been kind of hit or miss, but, you know, I'm still enjoying it. You know, it feels like it's reaching its end, though.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you. It's just one of the biggest criticism I have of The Flash is The Flash has one of the best rogues galleries in all of comics behind Batman and Spider-Man. It is a solid number three, and there's yeah. no shame in saying that. You can go back and forth with the other two and, and, and do that. But for what they've been doing with the show, though, I feel like they haven't tapped into the good potential of it. And I know that the cast is just so big on team flash Mm -hmm. that just doesn't seem like everybody gets their due no and i think that that hurts in the long run for this show it's like in flash there's like 15 people on the main cast yeah something like that well it's something crazy but when you think about everybody that's on team flash yeah and yet they're adding more people like they've had allegra join the team her cousin is now kind of sort of with the team ultraviolet there yep so that's also two other heroes we have caitlin who's also split into Killer Frost, so that's That's another. Another another two. Yeah, Cisco is leaving, but then we have Chester replacing him. Yep. And we still have Barry with Iris, and it's just so much going on that it just doesn't feel like everybody's getting their fair shake, in my opinion. And I think that they haven't had a real strong lead-in coming back from the Mirrorverse and whatever was going on there, because, I'm sorry, like that was not the best way to wrap a season up yeah it's just like i'm sorry the black hole organization just wasn't connecting because i don't know if it's just there wasn't enough time to really establish who they were and i understand with COVID, i'm oh, not yeah. i'm not yeah. faulting them because hey stuff it was taken out you know time frames and such i get that but i'm just saying for being a strong antagonist for being a main villain right it just didn't connect that i think that when you, we've seen this show really click on all gears we've had thawne yeah we've had zoom yeah where else do we go from here? I mean, you've had Captain Cold, but obviously you haven't been able to have him for a whole season. Right. And I think that hurts when yeah. you could have done the rogues gallery.
1: Right. And the actor isn't playing him anymore. Right. Yeah. So
0: I think that does hurt. And you either have to decide if you want to go recast or what you want to do, but for where they're starting to pick up some steam. And I will admit they have gotten a little better since now they got focused on Godspeed, who is one of the more recent flash rogues that, actually is sticking around and doing something. Right. So I'm okay with that. And to see with this episode, too, it seems like they're trying to go back and tie in more of the Flash family from the future coming mm-hmm. back here. Because where this episode kicks off for this past week called Enemy of the Gates, we do see that Barry is thinking about his daughter, Nora, mm-hmm. who is obviously lost in a time stream, and then he's focusing the entire episode about figuring out if Iris is actually pregnant or not. Mm-hmm. So it really takes him out of the equation for the day, and it, the rest of the episode is dominated by Killer Frost and trying to figure out, okay, what's going on with her, and Chill I believe is the character. I name, think so, yeah. That there's something there, and she's trying to figure that out, while Godspeed is now trying to attack Barry. Mm-hmm. So they do switch it back to... Godspeed is really trying to go at the Flash and go at Team Flash. And I think it's a very cool thing to see that finally we get a, a real threat to the team because we haven't had this for a little while. No. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be honest about it. And when we see that Godspeed is now multi-cloning himself. There's five of them. Yeah. Okay. Yet again, I say the clones. Is it really connecting with you, Pad?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of suspending
0: disbelief. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I kind of did too, and I was like, okay, well, he's cloning himself. Like,
1: it it makes more sense to have more than one than rather just have the one again, because it's like, hey, I already beat you, and I'm already faster than you, so why are we doing this? So it ratchets up the, the difficulty and the intrigue.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it does help a little bit, but I think when you start having teams of clones, it's kind of oh, no. Like, yeah,
1: but I mean, if, if if he just has one show up again, it's going to turn into like a Saturday morning cartoon too much where it's like,
0: yeah, eh, 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 I got away again. Well, I could see that point, too. It's just I know when they're trying to really mix things up and have him show up is like, OK, when we start having clones, like I say, I just my skin starts crawling a little bit just because I'm like, ugh, I, I don't dig it. But I don't mind the villain of Godspeed, because like I say, I think he's one of the more recent additions to the rogues gallery I that so. I. That, no, well, I know he is from the most oh, recent okay. comic run. But he's one that really stands out. Like, is not just going to be one that we forget. And I could definitely see this one having a long run in the comics, you know, obviously with the future coming down the road. So I'm all right with this. And to see how he's going about attacking Team Flash, I thought was cool. They did have this big battle at Star Labs where Godspeed is coming in. But the one thing that really just confused me a little bit mm-hmm. is, okay, we have the six bad clones, Godspeeds, Uh then all of a sudden are facing off against six good clones of Uh Godspeed later in the episode. And it kind of jumps around from there. It was like, wait, what's going on? And I understand it's dealing with a timeline, and I know that we're going to have to wait a little bit to figure out, but still, confusing. Yeah. So I really didn't have this big connection going on with this episode as I probably would have. Just because I was like, wait, we're just dealing with, okay, Godspeed's fighting Godspeed's, okay, wait, 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 what is happening here? And then during the same time, we're do fo- we're focusing a lot on Killer Frost and Caitlyn, who's trying to save Ultraviolet, and it's getting kind of weird there. So we do end up, though, with a very solid cliffhanger. Yeah. Not that Iris is not pregnant yet, but, Pad, what is the big cliffhanger? Uh, Joe's in a car and it explodes. Yeah. And I'm not sure how he survives, reasons. Well, reasons, but I also feel that we... They're going to do... take a page out of Fast and Furious book. Oh, God. We'll get into that a little bit. I do feel, though, I mean, it was a solid cliffhanger. I don't know how they're going to explain it unless this is the episode that introduces Impulse. Maybe. that You're going to have to have a speedster come in and, and make the save. Probably. Because it just didn't happen. But I will say, for what they had, the little side story they have with Joe, which I'll admit, I'm still a little lost on because mm-hmm. he has not had a lot of time to really explain it. Yeah. I think that it'll be a good payoff when we get it. Cause obviously they're not killing off Joe just yet, but with still a couple more episodes in before they have their season finale on that tease next week though. Yes. Well, why don't you break Ooh, that down for us? David today. Ramsey showing up. Yo, let's go. He had better be wearing the ring, man. That's uh, all I'm going to say. There was a green light in the episode. I just hope it's not a tease. Cause I did see him in the Spartan uniform and I'm like, listen, just make him green lantern in this universe already. Like stop dragging, you know, stop dragging us out about this. Like, Make him Green Lantern. Like I said, stop dragging the feed. I, I'm going to get wound up about this. But for this episode, I'll give it another C. Yeah. Like, I thought it was average. I thought it was okay. Better than the last few. It's It's been better than the last few. So I will say, okay, I'm definitely into that. But what I think was the show that stood out this week was the Batwoman season finale. Okay. Now, we have not talked a lot about Batwoman, but I've been really trying to hammer through and catch back up on this. And I will say, for a season finale... This hit the marks. Mm. Was completely happy with it. Had a lot of good stuff to really take home from this. And we do know that obviously with this season, there was the controversy with Ruby Rose leaving the show. Right. And we did have a new Batwoman takeover, Javisa Leslie, who played a brand new character, Ryan Wilder, who was just introduced in the comics. And this was her year one in getting thrown into this universe. And where we take off for the season finale, entitled Power Episode 18 we do see an old Batman villain is front and center, Black Mask. Oh. And what he's been doing is more or less trying to cause the purge and making himself the hero. Oh, boy. It's a really kind of crazy concept because what he's been doing is experimenting a little bit about different elements in the Bat Universe. Like, he's somehow got himself a hold of Bane's Venom. And has been mixing it in with something else. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of been touching upon that a little as well. Plus, he also has a brainwashed Kate Kane, who is back on the show, played by Wallace Day, and is working with him to basically set up his envision of Gotham, which he's saying he's now giving people the black masks to run around, and he'll be the one that takes Black Mask out as his human identity. So it does play off in the overtones of Black Mask because, well, let's just face it, in the comics... He's very egotistical of himself. And it does play into this whole universe that we're in. And we do see that Team Batwoman is definitely in dire straits. We do see that Luke Fox, who's played by Camriss Johnson, is finding his father's storage area. And in this area is a bat suit that, if you know the comics, you know is Batwing. Mm-hmm. So we do see that we finally get Batwing in this universe, which I marked out for. Like I said, previous episodes I've talked about the suit. I thought it looked on point. I looked, It looked straight out of the comics. Okay. This episode, it definitely did the same thing. So okay. I was all in on this. And another factor that I really was all in about is how they've been having Black Mask acquire, in his own way, the, I want to say... Certain relics mm-hmm. of the Batman's Rogues Gallery. Well, I mean Batman did just casually have
1: him singing and sitting in the Batcave.
0: Yes, because I know that he's had uh Kate Kane acquire some. Sure. So I know that she's had her connection with it as well. And I mean obviously this has been a deep rooted plan the entire season going on. And
1: Ac- acquire and by acquire them you mean break into the Batcave.
0: Yes. Well, I mean, with Kate Kane being the ones who have access into it, it makes the most sense because that's the only way that I can figure that Black Mask got his hands. On these items. And like I said, Peter Outbridge, who played uh, Black Mask on this show, definitely didn't have a problem with him this, this go around. Like I said, I thought it was just an interesting play that we see Kate Kane taking these items. hmm And is now, well, like, okay, we're going to mess around with Venom, which is never good. And I'm not talking about Eddie Brock, folks. I'm talking about what makes Bane, Bane. And they do wind up testing this out on somebody who flatlines. And this comes back later in the show. Okay. Because when Black Mask is doing this and he is like I said, he's covering up a lot that Kate Kane has these items with her too, because it's escaping. Cause she's brainwashed. She doesn't have her memories. This is how they wrote her off the show. When they start having this go-around where Black Mask is getting finally confronted by Ryan Wilder, who's not Batwoman just yet. She's like the entire beginning of the episode, she's having like a question of confidence because Black mm. Mask has won. She okay. hasn't. And she has to work with Alice, who is Kate Kane's sister, who's who's playing – every time I've caught this show, has been played exceptionally well by Rachel Scarston. Okay. And she does play that Joker kind of role in this. Yeah. But they do have this kind of friend of my friend is uh, my enemy – or enemy of my enemy is my friend vibe going on. Yep. So they do wind up going to Channel 64 and confronting where Black Mask has taken over all the media – and is running his message about basically unleashing the Purge. Mm. So during this back and forth, they see K Kane is escaping with those items, and there is that, like I said, back and forth going on. Ryan is going after Kate, and we do see Alice is now having this one-up against the Black Mask, and lo and behold, she does have a certain item Mm. that is a flower. Three guesses who that belongs to. Joker? Uh Uh-huh. Hits him right in the face with the acid. Yeah, say classic. Yes, which she winds up defeating him, and then she's starting to go after Kate because what they're saying is they start figuring out that this other antidote that they find near where they were experimenting, yeah, um, on the venom uh, victim, there is something that will release their memories and kind of reset the what happens to them. So they're thinking, okay, well if we can get our hands on this, and we might be able to save Kate. Because at the end of the day, it's still Kate's sister. So, like I said, they play this back and forth the entire time of the show, and it's one strong suit when they have Kate Kane in the lead. But Ryan Wilder's character definitely steps up to the role, and even when she's having that question of faith, she doesn't lose it, and she is inspired when she starts seeing that the voice of Vesper Fairchild uh-huh. comes over the airwaves and is talking about how the Batman or the Batwoman is a symbol. To the people of Gotham. So you know how we always kind of touch upon this in the comics. When you see the Bat-Signal go up in the air. Yeah. And you see that for the people of Gotham, it's not a sign saying Batman's coming to help. It's the sign of hope. No, yeah. I mean, they've touched on this. I know in the movies, you know,
1: Michael Caine and some of his lines in the Nolan trilogy come to mind.
0: Yeah, and they really play this point up very well on the show too because where Ryan Wilder is having her second guesses, okay? She can't beat Kate Kane. She's not Batwoman. Right. It's not there. All hope is lost. She starts hearing this voice on the radio, and it's Vesper who has been kind of the overall narrator of the series. And she's reading about the letter about how it's inspiring the people of Gotham say if you really are – wanting to change and you don't want black mask to win, put the bat symbol on your windows and show this and really sell the point home of why the city needs Batwoman. Cause they all know Batman's gone. The Bruce Wayne has been gone for years. Mm-hmm. Haven't found out yet. We will eventually, but we do see that Ryan starts leaving the studio and she's looking up in the windows and where they were having black masks for everybody that's taking part in The Purge, mm-hmm. they're spray painting or they're painting the Batman logo on them. And it's the bat is on the mask in the windows. And Ryan is seeing this. And she's knowing that this is what she is meant to be. She This is what she means to the city. So this is now where you can kind of start seeing her turn her story around and saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to finish this job. And I'm going to do this. Meanwhile, we do get a quick flash to Mary Hamilton, who's played by Nicole Kang on the show, who's one of the team members. Mm -hmm. And she's the one that figures out about the snake bite. So as she is trying to escape with this information, she gets confronted by the victim who OD'd on the Venom. Oh, boy. But is back to life now. Because, of course. And, of course, is hulked out like he's Bane. He's not Bane on the show. I want to clarify this. And as they're having this fight up the staircase, lo and behold, she gets thrown off the roof. Who catches her? Batwing in full armor. And it's a very cool moment. It's, a, it's one of those he didn't come in very very smooth. Yeah. Like the jetpack gives out a little bit, but he does wind up saving her from this assailant. And it's now he's accepted the role that he's going to be Batwing. So this will be something cool to move forward to. They didn't spend a lot of time on this, and I'm okay with it. Because we have all next season to get into about Batwing. But that cuts off their story. So then we now see where the story really kind of takes hold that Ryan gets in her Batmobile because she does have a car and she does drive after Kate. They do get to this battle on the bridge. And during this time too, Alice shows up and sprays the antidote into Kate and they both fall into the river. So Alice and Kate are off the board. Like they're underwater. So nobody knows where they are. They do kind of have these last moments in life. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're seeing Alice like basically relive her last moment, and you're seeing that Kate finally comes into her own as well. The, Ryan gets them out of the water. They have to perform mouth-to-mouth on Kate, and just as they save her, Kate remembers who she is. But the Gotham PD shows up and arrests Alice, mm. takes her away. So then we get the final moments of the show, which, like I said, this has been building up very, very well, and it's balanced off so good, too that the pacing was fine on this. And they definitely tied in everything that made sense. We knew a little bit about the characters' backstories. We heard Vesper inspire the city of Gotham. We get to the end, though, and we do see that Kate has now announced her plans that she's going to go look for Bruce, that he needs to atone for basically leaving the city and find out really what happened. So the mantle has now been officially passed to Ryan. Then we also find out that Ryan goes to Arkham to see Alice, where we do know the Black Mask is next there and he's mumbling a name. Where this is going to play out, don't know. And then during this moment, too, Alice kind of has this one upsmanship where it is saying, Well, you know, Kate is saved and, you know, I do know something about you, too. Your biological mom never died, which has been something that's been a looming factor this entire season. So Ryan now knows her mother is living. Bum, bum, bum. Yes, so it'll be another drama effect too. And then to finish off the episode though, Pat, you remember I said there was missing bat artifacts? Yes. Oh, they wash up in the river. Oh. And we do see Mad Hatter's hat. Okay. We do see Penguin's umbrella. Okay. And then we start seeing a vine grow. Oh, boy. And it's growing very, very rapidly. Oh, boy. Fade to black. Nice. I have to give this episode a B plus. That for being somebody that jumped into the show a little late, but definitely sped through to catch up. I thought this really captured the vibe that you want to see of the Cape Crusader. Javisa Leslie played exceptional in this role, and for being this her year one, I thought they capped it off nicely. They set up enough stuff for next season. That now that she has a partner in Luke Fox with Batwing, mm-hmm. I think that it's not going to go the full Arrow route, which I'm I'm hoping it doesn't. Just keep those two together, you know. You can have Mary still balance them out, and that be your three team right there. But I think they have enough that they can start the future on a good foot. Alice's story arc, I believe, is done. I believe she's not returning to the show. Sure. And I know the two
1: seasons. That's a long arc.
0: It's a long arc, but. For what they did, too, and especially it's a transition period, too, because Alice has always been tied with Kate Kane. Well, obviously, Kate Kane is not returning as of yet, but Alice is so tied with her, it would kind of make a, an odd sense to have her be the recurring villain right. for the show. Right, right. So they're going to start fresh with her, and I, like I said, I believe that she is not returning to the show. I do know that Doug Ray Scott, who played Kate's father... Jacob Kane yeah. is not coming back. Right. They wrote him off on the show. The Crows, the security force that he was in charge of, is has is been disbanded and discarded. So it's a clean slate for Ryan Wilder's character. I'm all in on this. I thought they did a really good job about setting up for the future that I'm now interested to see how they play this off. Because like I said, we've had certain characters of the Batverse show up. Hush has made an appearance. Mm-hmm. We have seen uh, Black Mask now. I mean, to do Poison Ivy, which they've just given that away, I think is going to be a cool play to see. And I think it can only help the show grow. And for a, a, a universe that could desperately use it, I think this is wrong because we're now in that transition phase. Arrow is no longer on the air. Flash is in a state of flux, in my opinion. Legends is legends. Give or take. Black Lightning was unfortunately canceled. We have Superman and Lois, which has been on point. And if you've been a long-time listener to this podcast... You know how much we love that show. But Batwoman has definitely carved her own niche in here. I'm interested to see where they go for next season. And they left me on a very good high note to say the future is very bright for this show. I'm excited to see where Jeff Leslie runs with this character. And I really want to see something different that we don't see in the comics. Because to copy what Kate Kane does and have it be Ryan Wilder, I don't think would connect. I want to see Ryan Wilder carve her own path. And I think that they're definitely going to do that next season. So definitely go check that out. But that being said, final thoughts on the DC Arrowverse as you see it, Pat?
1: Well, some good stuff. A lot of room for improvement, and I hope they uh, do so.
0: Yeah, definitely so. Like I said, Superman and Lois has been knocking it out of the park. We do know Stargirl is returning in August, so that'll be a definite help for this cw network so i'm definitely excited to see where that comes back and like i said to see the new adventures and escapades of ryan wilder as batwoman i'm excited for it like let's do something different than the comics and let's have her carve her own path let's go can't wait to check on what cw has lined up going into the fall but we gave you our takes but let's hear yours hit us up on that hashtag hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the current state of the DCCW universe? What shows do you like? What shows do you not? And why? Let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you love Marvel but are tired of hearing Cheeto-stained white guys talk about it? Are you hoping to see the X-Men and Avengers face off? Do you secretly want to be Jessica Jones or Daisy Johnson? Or do you want to be with Valkyrie? If so, you've found your new favorite podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris And Madam Amy, and we are here to give you the commentary you want. Marvel, minus the mansplaining. Find us wherever you get
1: your podcasts and visit us at themarvelousmadams.com.
0: Madams Assemble. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, what you got for those one-shots? Gotta
1: talk a couple things. Uh, the first of which is a bit of an update on the Amazon Lord of the Rings uh series. And one of the actors in the show saying, uh, not really sure when it's gonna finish filming. Uh so of course a lot of people might know that Lord of the Rings, the film series, filmed in a rapid 438 days. Uh that's because they filmed them all right in a row. They didn't they didn't fuss around or mess around, they just Boop, done. And they I came back for some reshoots and some pickup shots they needed but the principal photography was all done right in a row. Uh, but this one is certainly seems to be taking its time uh, because uh, it faced the production of the Amazon series faced delays to, of course, due to the pandemic 15 months ago. Uh, they're still underway uh, on production for the first season of the series for Amazon with seemingly no end in sight. Uh, of course, this, this is according to actor Benjamin Walker, who you might know from, uh, the musical stage musical bloody bloody andrew jackson if you are a uh, fan of uh, the fine arts or if you are familiar with him might be familiar with him from uh, 2012's abraham lincoln vampire hunter okay uh he wa- did an interview with collider uh, promoting the new netflix movie the ice road which i might actually check out because it's got liam neeson in it and they're trying to survive on an ice road it looks kind of interesting uh looks like it you know it looks like a kind of move certain movie we're going to talk about in a little bit where you don't watch for the plot you just kind of watch for what's going to happen uh, but he said, "quote It's a bit nebulous at this point. We've been here a long time, and they'll let us go when they're done with us." Close quote. So it sounds like they're taking their time with it, which I'm all, listen. I'm all right with. Yeah, be smart about you it. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot to the Tolkien universe and the Lord of the Rings universe than is just in the movies. There's plenty of YouTube channels out there that kind of delve into the lore and the backstory and the this and the that. That. It it's kind of overwhelming at times. So if they're taking their time with it, I'm okay with that. That means they want to get it right. They want to get everything perfect. You know, which I'm all right with. And plus, the budget of this show is supposedly as high as a billion dollars. Yeah, which is a lot. Which means there's going to be a lot involved with the show. It's already been greenlit for a second season, which I didn't know. But hey, give me more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm definitely excited to see where they go with this. And like I say, take all the time you need. I am in no rush.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the one thing with with that kind of fan base, you don't want to go rush into anything. Like you know, if you do that, it's not gonna it's not gonna make a ton of sense.
1: Uh huh. Yep. Uh, And then moving on to some casting news, Uh, we got a bit of casting for the upcoming Transformers Rise of the Beasts movie that I talked about last week Uh, when we found out who's going to be playing Optimus Primal, uh, the descendant of Optimus Prime in the Beast Wars uh, franchise. No, it's not Gary Chalk who voiced him for every episode of Beast Beast Wars and then Beast Machines, but we don't talk about that because that show's not good. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is going to be none other than some dude named Ron Perlman. Oh, okay. Never heard of him. Uh, a bit of a newcomer to Hollywood. Uh, no, in all seriousness, it, listen, if it couldn't be Gary Chalk, who is fantastic as a role and obviously been the only person to play the role, to my knowledge, uh, I'm, all right, I'm all right with Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman's real good.
0: Ron Perlman's awesome. Can I, Give it to me.
1: Can I go wrong with Ron Perlman? Uh, and then lastly, uh, before I get to my comics picks, this one got me super excited. Uh, we might be getting an animated sequel for Small mail now, Ooh. now, there is at least two quote unquote seasons, I guess you could say, that they did in the comics once the show's run was over, that they did keep canon for the crossover uh, on the Infinite Crisis on Infinite Earths. They did reference that because in this show, spoiler alert, uh, they sold the farm. And then Clark moved to Metropolis, and and, uh, his mother went off other places. But in the comics, they bought it back, so hence why they had it. They kept that can in the show. So interesting to see how they go with this. Uh, But this is according to, well, uh, none other than Tom Welling himself. Oh, okay. So this was in a cameo post he made to somebody, and for those of you who aren't familiar with cameo, various... Folks, I guess you could say celebrities, athletes, uh, personalities, you know, everyone from like a Tom Bergeron on, on, American television to, uh, Mariano Rivera from the New York Yankees. There's a bunch of famous people on the, on cameo that you can go pay money and they will record a message for you. Now you can do it as a birthday gift to somebody. If they're a big fan of somebody, you can do it as a congratulations or, you know, whatever you want to do, they will do it for you and they will get it to you. Somebody, uh, got a cameo from Tom Welling, uh, and in said cameo, he disclosed the fact that quote, Michael Rosenbaum and I are actually working on an animated series to bring those characters back, those characters being the Smallville characters, back to life and use as many of the original cast members as possible. Don't tell anybody, though. It's a secret. We're still working on it. Close quote. Uh, So obviously it didn't stay secret, and it made its way on Twitter. Uh, and, and he's – Welling has hinted at this, I guess, like a couple of times over the years, you know. but he hasn't provided details. So, But it seems like uh, we might be seeing Smallville return again, and they're going to try and bring back as uh, many actors as they can, although there's one, if you read the news lately, that will not be making an appearance.
0: Yeah. And you can look that up on your own time. Or just hit over to uh, at Big Nanny Cool. Yeah. Cause he, he'll, he'll tell you. He had one of the most comprehensive coverage of that case – I have ever heard.
1: It's made my rewatch real awkward. Yeah, uh,
0: it definitely does. But to get back to the the animated series, I mean, I think that's a cool way to go about it. Absolutely. That you don't need to have everybody come back as live action. And like, listen, if you can capture the core people involved in
1: it. And I I know what Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex phenomenally on that show. One of his biggest gripes, and this is the reason he left the show for a couple of seasons, was it was just a pain in the ass and slightly uncomfortable for him to sit in Vancouver because, hey. D.C. was filming their shows in Vancouver before Arrow, folks. Mm-hmm. Smallville started that. You know, it was a pain in the ass and slightly uncomfortable for Michael Rosenbaum to be uh, to have to shave his head because he's not naturally bald, folks. Yeah. To have to shave his head and then go up to Vancouver for like six plus months or whatever it was. And Vancouver can get kind of cold at certain times of year. Yeah. And and be there with the exposed head. You know, so if you weren't okay with it then, he's not going to be cool with it now. This is the easiest way to do it.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's how he was feeling about that. And yeah. you know what? As long as he's committed to do it oh, and absolutely. You, you get everybody back. It's like, like listen. Tom,
1: Tom's married. He's got a couple kids. And I think he just had another kid. You know, he's a busy dad. Plus, anime is an easy way to go. Oh, and God, it is yeah. successful,
0: too. I mean, yeah. hi, look at Invincible. And, if you and, want a and, recent and, example. I mean,
1: Christ, look at the animation work that has been done at, D, at DC. And not just how good it is. I mean, I know I still got to watch Batman Long Halloween Part 2. Or, or Part 1, I should say. But their animation work is top
0: notch. Yes, facts
1: can i go wrong with that uh switching to my comic picks for the week uh you have giant size amazing spider-man chameleon conspiracy issue number one listen nick spencer's writing uh so i am sold uh but it reads quote the epic conclusion of the chameleon conspiracy if you thought if you thought the end of king's ransom shook spider-man to the core you better think again as this ending will level things up so yeah give me that one it's 42 pages yo 42 pages of nick spencer goodness uh i am sold
0: So let me ask you this uh, before you get going, because I was going to mention about uh, my one shots. It was announced that he is leaving the book. Yeah. And we are going to have new creative teams coming out, and they're going back three times monthly. Okay. So it's going to be borrowing a little bit from the brand new day vibe. Sure. And Ben Riley is taking over the book. Ooh.
1: What is your thoughts on this? Give it to me. Give it to me now, but not before Nick Spencer's done, because Uh, Nick Spencer is amazing.
0: Well, I know that they've teased the promo art that something happens to Peter, so I'm not going to say... I'm not going to He's been
1: going through some shit lately, if you haven't read the comics.
0: Yeah, so I'm not going to jump in on that exactly, but as I'm showing Pad, the article I'm looking at from IGN, Mm -hmm. the uh, Ben Riley is back, and I will say... I do like Ben Riley's suit. I always thought that was a vastly underrated one Mm -hmm. to see. And I know this can be part of free comic book day too, I believe. Oh, okay. So there'll there'll be some stuff there to keep uh, taking a look at. And, yeah.
1: I mean, if Ben Riley takes over the the role for a bit, I would understand that. Like I said, if you haven't been reading, Peter's been going through some shit lately, uh, to say the very least. Uh, And so much so to the point that a certain former assistant at the Daily Bugle comes back into town for a visit. Uh, And she makes a she makes a comment that oh I haven't really you know we we used to keep in touch a lot I haven't heard from you lately have you been busy and then you just get like the the panel of Peter uh, you know sitting there and then just in the background like kind of thought bubble silhouette type things of like everything that's been going on he's like yeah it's been kind of crazy
0: yeah it definitely has I mean obviously I know you preach about Spencer's run on oh, Amazing so Spider Man and to see Ben Riley come back like okay for me and reading the 90s clones like this is why I hate clones mm-hmm. when they decided to bring Ben Riley back after the 70s and like just how messy that was yeah I really hated it I was not a fan mm-hmm. and then let alone they decided to say okay well Ben Riley was actually the real Peter Parker this entire time and blah 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 it was like no and just how absolutely messy it was. And I just was not a fan of this comic run. I will go on record and say this, like the clone saga in the nineties is one of my least favorite things of all of comics. I am just, I'm not a fan of you. If it works for you, Hey, more power to you. Yeah. Me. No. And I was never more happy than to see when, uh, he was finally taken out. And then I believe it was Dan Juergens who took him out. And when he got his run on Spider-Man. So that all being said, I'm just going in this with a little skepticism. Because I'm I'm not the big Ben Riley guy. Sure. But I'm willing to give this one a shot. And like I say, I really enjoy the suit, so I, yeah. I, can't, I can't be too mad about that.
1: Uh, some more picks for the week. Uh, Star Wars Adventures, Weapon of the Jedi, issue number two. Uh, this is written by Jason Fry, who's a phenomenal uh, writer. Yeah, I cannot uh, commend his stuff highly enough. Uh, but this uh, reads, The Rebel Alliance has destroyed the Empire's dreaded Death Star, but the Imperial Starfleet continues hunting the Rebels throughout the galaxy. Luke Skywalker now seeks to support the Rebellion as an X-Wing fighter. But as he flies with the pilots of the Red Squadron, uh, Luke feels the stirrings of the force and this farm boy turned fighter pilot begins to suspect that his destiny lies along a different path. So this is that classic star Wars, you know, kind of simplistic, not too much crazy going on, you know, back to basics, I guess you could say, but it's also in that kind of unexplored territory of the light, right after the first movie. And, but he's still not a full Jedi yet. So I'm de- I'm definitely excited to read that one. Uh, also out this week, you've got star Wars, the high Republic issue. Number six, uh, written by Kevin Scott, who also had the novel come out this week. Uh, which I have to finish the one audiobook I'm listening to before I pick up this one uh, titled star Wars, uh, the rising storm, which is the next book in the high Republic series. So Kevin Scott having a very busy week, but he, he writes great stuff. Cannot recommend him enough. Uh, you've got the United States of captain America issue. Number one, uh, this reads the shield has been stolen. No one understands the value of the shield like those who wielded it. So Steve Rogers, Sam Wells, and Sam Wilson set out on a road trip across America to chase down the thief. But instead they find captains, everyday people from walks of life who've taken up the mantle of Captain America to defend their communities. And for some reason, the shield thief wants them all dead. Can Sam and Steve get to them first? Christopher Cantwell and Dale Eaglesham uh, lead a can't miss miniseries to celebrate captain America's 80th anniversary joined by a rotating series of creative teams to tell stories of each new captain, uh, starting with Aaron Fisher, the captain America of the railways brought to life by Josh uh, true and J- uh, Jan, uh, as Duel. Uh, so this is one the first issue of a five issue mini-series. So I'm definitely excited to check this out. It seems interesting.
0: Yeah, sign me up, man. This definitely sounds like a cool book.
1: Yep. And then lastly, but certainly not leastly, Transformers Beast Wars issue number five. Uh, this is a fantastic series if you uh, were a fan of the animated series and if you weren't, uh, this is definitely a good uh, line to jump in on because it is literally the series being retold. Now there's some differences, uh, but at its core, it's still the same story. And it is a fantastic read, and I cannot recommend it enough. I just hate that I have to wait so long for each new issue to come out because it's like literally the first thing I read when a new issue comes out.
0: Fair enough. I got to do a correction. So, Spider Man 75, that mm-hmm. was the one that came out in '96. That was the end when Ben Riley got taken out. Okay. Howard Mackey and John Romita Jr. were on the book. Uh, okay. so, no, but you know, for Beast Wars, I know you're amped up about that. Oh, hell yeah. There's a lot of stuff coming out for Beast Wars. So, I guess I got to throw one comic pick in because mm-hmm. I did not realize it's an anniversary. 80 years. hmm Green Arrow.
1: I, I saw something about that the other day. I was like, wow, really?
0: Yeah, so they're doing a Green Arrow 80th Anniversary edition. So we, we've kind of talked about these in the past. So it was the official title is the Green Arrow 80th Anniversary 100-page super spectacular. So that'll be hitting the Wait, stores. how many pages? 100. Yo, page. that's a lot. Yes. So like I say, I'm showing you the cover right now.
1: Wow, that's cool.
0: Yeah. So Green Arrow Pad, 80 years. Can you believe it?
1: No, Uh, from going from, for me, relative obscurity because was not featured on Super Friends Uh, and then did not even know, you know, wasn't featured on Batman animated series. You know, most of my DC stuff came from the cartoons. Mm -hmm. You know, wasn't featured on Batman, the animated series, wasn't featured on Superman, the animated series, Uh, was featured on Justice League Unlimited. He might have made an appearance on Justice League, but I think prior to that, he started showing up on Smallville first, you know, played by Justin Hartley. Uh, so you know, good for him. You know, It's definitely a good character, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of crazy, because I, I never realized it was 80 years of him, mm-hmm. and going by the mighty Wikipedia, 1941 is when he debuted More Fun Comics, number 73, and to see where this character has gone from just being a normal archer to some of the more classic runs of the character, because a lot of times we just focus on the Stephen Amell show, mm-hmm. and I know that obviously now, since that show blew up and made him into, I don't want to say an A-list character, but it really kind of teeters on that line if you really want to get into how much pop culture impact it had. Uh, Arrow has always been kind of a puzzling read. Yeah. But he's always been paired up best with Green Lantern. I know Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams' run is definitely one that stands out over the test of time. Mm -hmm. Still is something to definitely take a look at if you're not too familiar. Um, I always kind of remember him from Mike Grell's Longbow Hunters. Mm. So that's that's another great story that he has with. Kevin Smith had his uh, notable run with the character as well. So there's been a lot of stuff to work with, too. I know that he's definitely been more of a... Um, I don't want to say, like, character's kind of flown under the radar, but sure. when he's showing up and he, when he's done right, he's a great read of a character. So, so he's that's, not
1: exactly showing up front and center for the big events. No, I he's mean... He's there, but...
0: No, I mean, he's the DC's version of Hawkeye. But he's yeah. written a lot better, I think, the character is written a lot better when it's in the right hands. Like I said, with Mike Grell's run, it definitely stands out. Kevin Smith de- definitely did a great job with the character. And like I said, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams run. On, when they did Green Lantern, Green Arrow. It's phenomenal stuff. So, And even Ben Piercy's run, too. I think it slept on a lot. But when Oliver Queen is really written well, it's definitely a fun read, so definitely want to go check it out. Hit up your local comic shops. Go see what they have to say about it. Definitely some great books to go pick up. So, for my one-shots, though, got to talk some TV. Mm-hmm. It was announced for the Dexter rebirth on Showtime. That you're chomping at the bit for. I will say my interest is now more piqued. Okay. John Lithgow is going to be returning as the Trinity Killer okay. in some capacity. Now, if you know the show, you can talk to any Dexter fan on the planet, and they will tell you season four is the best, and the Trinity Killer was the, the best. So, I don't even, like, the fact that this even got mentioned, like, I'm like, I'm sold. I don't even need to get really into it. If you haven't seen that season, just watch that season. And, and like, you'll ca- you'll get everything what you know about Dexter right then and there. And then the seasons after kind of go off the, the rails. And then the last season is hot garbage, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But to see that Lithgow is coming back is going to be real crazy. Yeah. And it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. So, now I'm actually more on board with it. So, I'll take that. And then to flip it to HBO Max, we did get the first trailer for The Many Saints of Newark. Hmm. Now, this is going to be the prequel to The Sopranos. Uh So, I will admit, I'm kind of like in this phase where... Why? Yeah. Like, I I don't like it when we have prequels for no reason. They've wanted to do something with with that franchise for the longest
1: time, though, just because I remember... You know, now, admittedly, never seen the show, but that's because while it was on TV, I didn't have HBO. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't get HBO at my parents' house until well after the series had ended, and HBO Max wasn't a thing at that point, so there was no way for me to go. Oh, I'm going to go back. You know, I know HBO Go was a thing, but I just didn't really have the urge, or the you know, it wasn't. It it wasn't like trying to catch up on Game of Thrones. You know, it was like oh, there's a reason to go do or Westworld. You know, there's a reason to new episodes. You know, so I'm not seen the show it's on my list that one of those like i'll get to it at some point but i just haven't i know when the series ended and the fans crashed HBO's website you can look that up
2: Mm -hmm. it it happened
1: that there were talks for a couple of years of movies and spinoff series and i'm I'm, so i'm not entirely surprised this is happening i know they've wanted to do something with sopranos for the longest time i'm just surprised it's taken this long
0: well obviously james gandolfini passing away that that does yeah, really hold a lot of plans away, yeah. and obviously with due respect, and, and you should, because he really was this show. And like mm-hmm. I said, the story arc of Tony Soprano is just phenomenal. And, and if you've never seen The Sopranos, seasons one and two are some of the best TV you'll ever see. Season three, I don't like as much. Season four I thought was very stronger. Season five I thought was great. Season six kicks off with the greatest season premiere of all time and then it goes downhill from there. Mm. And the ending, a lot to be desired. Sure. So you have to kind of take that into perspective because once that you have the benchmark set, it's tough because you have to hit that each time it goes out. Yeah. And I think that for The Sopranos, it just definitely did a lot in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. But like I said, season six was like, I don't understand how it got that off the rails, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And then the, the ending, I hate the fact that it's, like, left in your choice. Like, how do you think it ended? Yeah. It's like, no, I, I you need that definitive answer, even though I believe we have that. Yeah. But still, I mean, James Gandolfini did such an incredible job and just really delved into this character and really made this must-watch TV. Like I said, the fact that we're going to even just do a prequel, it's like... It, to me, it felt weird because he's not here.
1: Yeah, and and the only thing I'll say for because I don't know. Yeah, uh, you better have like a bunch of the higher up people involved with the show originally involved with this, because then I feel you'll be able to capture kind of that look and feel from the
0: original. Yeah, Mike or uh, David Chase, who wrote the Sopranos, okay. is connected to the project. Okay, and Michael Gandolfini is going to be playing Tony, young Tony Soprano. So, All right. so yeah, like I said, they they definitely handled this with care and uh, with the utmost respect. Yeah. So I'm interested in this. I'm not like screaming like, oh my God, I want to see this. I'm like, but I will say the trailer I was impressed with. I definitely thought it was cool. I'm like, if I'm going to be around October 1st when it drops on HBO Max, I will check it out. It's not something that I'm like screaming I want to see because when you have shows that are that legendary Mm -hmm. to see him go back in time and try doing something, it's like, uh, I, I, like, I don't know. I'm such skepticism. It's
1: kind but. of like it's kind of like Breaking Bad when they announced they were going to do a prequel to Breaking Bad. It's like, yeah, how? But then it came out, and you're like, no, this works.
0: Yeah, so like I said, Better Call Saul definitely helped ease my expectations about this. Yeah. But it's The Sopranos, man. That's like one of my favorite shows of all time. So I'm, I'm at full faith they're going to nail it. It's just like I don't know what to expect, but I'll definitely check it out at some point. Speaking of trailers, I know we didn't get a chance to touch upon it too much. Shang-Chi. Yeah. Abomination versus Wong. Yo. All I need. And it,
1: and it is confirmed that that is Abomination. Kevin Feige has said as much.
0: Yeah. I have no idea about the rest of the movie, and I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that I'm going to see a cage fight between Wong and Abomination is something I didn't know I Can needed. Can
1: we get Bruce Buffer to announce the fight?
0: Ah, uh, if only. But like I said, I've already been sold on Shang-Chi. I've talked about that enough. I know I'll be there opening night when it comes out because I want to see something different and I don't know what they're going to do for source material, and frankly, I don't care. I'm going to be entertained, and that's what I want to see with this movie. So, But the fact that it happened, that's the only real takeaway from the new footage that I think we need, and we'll definitely talk about that in the upcoming months when that movie is ready to drop. And lastly, we went, we saw, we need to discuss Mm -hmm. Fast 9. Had a real good opening weekend.
1: Break it down for us. So as we sit here and record uh, domestically... Fast nine grossed uh, just about just about six point six, just under six million five hundred ninety four thousand three hundred sixty five dollars on Monday. Uh, For the weekend, it grossed seventy over seventy million dollars worldwide, which we should note uh, is not just the seventy million dollars domestic uh, that it grossed over the weekend is not just a pandemic record, but it is the largest opening weekend domestically since star Wars, the rise of Skywalker in 2019. Uh, and then for a worldwide box office, it is currently sitting at, where is it? Uh, number four for the year, uh, behind only Godzilla vs. King Kong detective Chinatown three and hi mom, uh, fast nine having grossed worldwide 412 million one hundred eighty-eight thousand five hundred thirty thousand, five hundred and thirty dollars.
0: You know, I would say, like, we talk spoilers, but really with this franchise, I mean, where do we go from here, Pat?
1: Uh, don't do the thing that's rumored for 10 and 11. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, so, you know, there's rumors that, from coming from Justin Lin, the director of Fast 9 and a number of other Fast films, that they might bring back Brian, you know, played by the late Paul Walker. They might bring his character back, to which I say please don't yeah that ending for what you gave that character given the circumstances that you know for those who don't remember Paul Walker passed away you know before they could finish filming what was it fast seven I believe so you know the seventh film so you know they delayed it a year they had to figure out what they were going to do and how they were going to go about the film because you know they weren't done filming you know so they brought in his brothers and they did some cinema magic so that you know they finished with his brothers and you really honestly you can't tell yeah you know who's actually paul and who's his brothers but the ending you gave that character where and you know spoilers but the movie's however many years old at this point you know he he goes off into the sunset he gets out of the business as they say you know as they mentioned in fast nine and he and he goes off and he lives with his wife and his and his child and and he rides off into the sunset that is the perfect textbook ending for a character that you can possibly have given the circumstances Mm -hmm. don't ruin it by bringing him back i know that their urge you know justin lynn and, and vin diesel's urge might be to have a avengers endgame type moment with the fast characters that they can where they're all racing and doing whatever they have to do but leave brian out of it you know it would just ruin the ending of you know fast seven where he greed drive literally drives off into the sunset
0: yeah i agree with you i mean i think that obviously it was an unfortunate tragedy what happened to paul walker yeah but they wrote him off on the sh- in the series very fine.
1: There have been a number of movies over the years where, for unfortunate reasons, actors or actresses have passed away. Mm-hmm. The one I can think of uh, most notably is Heath Ledger. He was in the middle of filming... I forget what the movie's name is, but he was in the middle of filming a movie when he unfortunately passed away, and three actors stepped in to fill the role that I saw the movie in college and was like three-quarters of the way through the movie and went, holy fuck, this hasn't been Heath Ledger for quite a while. Yeah. You know, there's very few instances in television, movies, and what have you, where an actor or actress dies, and you don't get that perfect ending. Yeah. You know, what they did with Paul Walker's character, Brian, is the perfect
0: ending. I agree. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. It's like you wrote him off very fine, very respectively. Yeah. There's nothing you need to do to bring him back. Like, I understand that you want to do it as you're closing out the franchise, but yeah. you've already paid enough homage that I don't think that you need to, to have no. somebody else try – fill in the roles no. and, and like i understand the thought is to bring his family involved and really honor him that way but you've already done that in my opinion so i don't want to see that go down no you've already set up enough that you've said that fast 10 is going to be two parts yep filming in
1: 2022 if i read right
0: yeah so i don't know where we're going to go from here i mean uh, i obviously- just
1: up the ante on the stunts because eh, that that whole bridge jump thing that you see in the trailers. Eh, maybe it's because I saw it a thousand times, but wasn't really that wowed by
0: it. No, I wasn't really wowed too much by this film. I mean, obviously, it was the whole story. It was good. That, I mean, it's as good as you're going to get with a Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. That's that's the thing about it. You're going to have it be not about the script. It's about no, the action no. and, and about that. And, um, hi, I was right. We yeah, got into space. You
1: got into space. Uh, and I got to say. My girlfriend Liz Bailey went, who she'd never seen a Fast and Furious movie outside of Hobbs and Shaw, because well, The Rock was in it, and she was in all in for that. But she'd never seen any of the mainline Fast and Furious films.
0: She, even she loved uh, this one; she thought it was good. It's entertaining. I mean, it's popcorn yeah, fun. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. You you can't go in with this is going like this is gonna be a great script.
1: And I and I gotta say, I love. I won't spoil it, but I love how uh, Roman, you know, uh, started tr- breaking the fourth wall a bit, a little bit. It started, yeah. started
0: getting a little meta. We we seem to be invincible. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, they they gotta have some fun with it. Yeah. I mean, at this stage, the fact that we now have street racers that are the most elite fighting team in the entire world that are going into space, that are going into space. Like, what else do you need to do? I'm sorry, it's done. And and the fact, like, for the Fast Universe, your bonus scene at the end of the credits. I mean, we're gonna do a spinoff there, yeah, somehow. So I think there's only one character left that you can bring back, and that's Gail Caddo's.
1: Yeah, say she is not in hide nor hair from.
0: Yes. So I mean, that's the only character that you can bring back. And then just wrap it up, however you're going to do it. But you already hit space. Like I don't, yep. I, I don't know where you go from here. I, I I'm Dino- sorry, dinosaurs. It's going to have to be Jurassic Park. Like yep. they're going to have to do something. Yep. Re- this is going to be time travel. Like that's could be. Could be. That's, drive so fast they break uh, they break
1: the t- they break the uh, walls
0: of the universe. Uh no man just, just no. I like I say I don't know what they've got uh, cooked up for Vin fast D- ten. Vin
1: Diesel wants to do a musical.
0: I know he does, and like I say. This franchise has definitely gone past a lot of expectations I ever had for it. Yeah. And like I say, I I don't know what they have cooked up for Fast 10 parts one and two, but I'm with you, Pad. I think just let Paul Walker's character stay where he is. Yeah. And we don't need to have somebody else try bringing him back. Like, the
1: only instance I would be okay with bringing him back for the last part of Fast 10 is if there's an end shot of, like, they're at the barbecue or they're overlooking the scenery of, of Los Angeles. And it's like the music, whatever song they choose for the ends for the end, end of the movie is playing. And they're doing a zoom out and the camera's panning up and then it goes into the sky. I'd be okay with that. But like to bring him in for the full movie and do a whole plot, like, Oh, Hey, I'm coming back to help you guys. No.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm sorry. Like I, I, I could not get on board with that. I think the, they've done a great job of honoring his legacy. And I think that that's where we kind of just need to leave his character. We don't need to have somebody fill in for him no. and try doing it. Even though the thought is in, is with Good and his family involved, sure. But in my opinion, no. Just let it go. <sighs> so that all being said, the music heard on this edition of the ODPH. Was that a shout-out to the robots? They played a show this past Saturday, but, uh, Ooh. First time in two years. Absolutely crushed it. One of the best live shows I think I've seen. And one thing I always say about shout is, they get better live every time you see them. So if you see them like three times a year, the third time, they're going to be even killing it more. But they definitely tore the place down. It was such a fun night out. It was uh, with Rich and his wife from 3FN, and it was a good time had by all, so definitely can't wait to see more of them. But if I want to hear more about Shout, Pad, where do I go? Uh,
1: odphpodcast.com.
0: Right on. You swing on over to the music section. You check out everything going on with Shout, everything going on with Second Studer, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, Floodlands, Brian Wolf. The list is going on and on. We have more people trying to come on the show, but we are not taking any interviews just yet. Cause we have a couple that we need to get out first and then we'll kind of open up the playbook and go from there, but definitely go check out all those musicians and support them in any way you can, because they're fantastic people. Also while you're at odphpodcast.com swing on over the directory, you can check out links to support black lives matter. You can check out our friends of the show and you can check out all the amazing pod groups we are in via their Podchaser pages, because, frankly, if you're not on Podchaser and you claim you're in a group, you're not in a group. So I'm just saying, you got to get on Podchaser if you're in a group. So definitely shout-out to the Podalypse, shout-out to the Inner Circle, and, of course, shout-out to Hashtag67Podcast, Rich, Ron, Mike, C, and, of course, Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter, Pad. Good Lord. He has a lot to say this week. Oh, so, I'm sure he does. Yes. Involving that certain court case that we were talking about.
1: Just so awkward.
0: Yes, he definitely has a lot to say about Smallville. So definitely hit him up on Twitter. And definitely for everything that they have going on, swing on over to patreon.com slash 8122productions. All of that and so much more at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Paddle 1J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.